Welcome to Let's Face the Facts, the rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Join us each week as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. And now, here's your host of Let's Face the Facts, the wonderful David Almeida! Thank you, Matthew Arder. Welcome back to another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. This week, we have what they used to call on the Carol Burnett show, a family show. That's what Carol always called it when she just had Harvey Gorman, Tim Conway, Vicki Lawrence, meaning no guest star. And uh, that's what we have going on here. It's just me and Matthew, and I hereby dub this format of show, whenever we do it in the future, to be a family show. Matthew and I watched Season 7, Episode 19, called Atlantic City, and it had an original air date of February 15th, 1986. Let's jump on in, huh? Let's face the facts with me and Matthew. I have a few notes, David, but I'm not going to hate on this episode because it is season seven full tilt boogie where they are outrageously ridiculous and I was here for it. Well, hello, Matthew. Hi, David. (laughs) I I said we were starting. I didn't realize you meant you were starting. Wow. We're getting going into this. Um, I'm like, I'm like Judy. I'm like the wonderful Judy Garland. You say it's showtime. And that's when that's when the flip switches. (laughs) Or the switch flips. It's um, it's what happens. (laughs) I don't know if you know this, but before I do these with you, I listen to the Garland overture that ends with the man that got away. Oh, Um, so it pumps me up. (laughs) Okay, that's your big. And then to come down, I like to listen to Mae West singing Great Balls of Fire. <laughs> I don't know what you listen to. but Yeah, well, to get me uh, psyched up for the podcast, I, I always like to put on a little bit of Jack Jones. And, uh, yeah, any any of the Jack Jones and then coming down. It's got to be back rack, man. It's got to mm. be. Mm. What's that all about, Alfie? <laughs> Well, we have quite a show to discuss, a show that had a a lot going on, so much going on that I don't think there was room for a guest to appear on this podcast with us. There was so much going on, David, in this episode that that was weighing heavily on me, was having a guest. But also, at this point, we didn't have a guest for the first time we met Flyman. Mm-hmm. So now we would not only have to explain that, yes, the girls are older now than the last time you were here to whoever, but also Joe has this twin that she is in love with. <laughs> so uh, don't you wish they sh- could have somehow done like uh, the way Shields and Yarnell or Sonny and Cher would dress in the same sort of unisex outfits to, to, to kind of make them look sort of the same, but different. Wouldn't it have been fucking great if we could have gotten Joe and Flyman? <laughs> I would have been happy with the Lucille Ball Harpo situation with the two of them. Like, I, I mean, Jesus H. Christ, David. Yeah. Oh, God. But you're right that trying to, and I'm, I wish I had had the time and I, I literally, I'm, I'm working a lot this week. I wanted to go back and watch Fort Lauderdale show the um, vacation to do it because after watching this my first thought was wait wait a minute wasn't flyman kind of a yeah like man out in the cosmos and feeling the vibes like wasn't wasn't he that kind of a dude flyman was but stewie lyman Mm -hmm. is apparently not something brought him out of orbit and fucking fast yeah a, a weekly paid gig yeah, which I think we can all relate to. God knows. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Matthew. Well, oh, you don't want this character? You want this one? All right. All right. I'll yep. sign up for it. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Yes, please. Please. Uh, please, Mickey. May I have another? Um, <laughs> so we are discussing season seven, episode 19, Atlantic City, 
which had an original air date of February 15th of 1986, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, it is probably better known as and should have been entitled The Return of Flyman. Mm -hmm. And first things first, could we talk about the name of this character? Because from minute one, the first time his name is mentioned when 2D sees it in the newspaper, I believe 2D says, oh my gosh, Flyman is playing in Atlantic City. And Joe says uh, something about, oh, wow, I wonder why Flyman didn't call me. Flyman. 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 Joe <laughs> keeps calling him Flyman like, like his name was Fleischman, like the guy who owns the Floorsheim shoes. She makes I it sound... There was a stand-up comedian back in the 90s who used to do a thing about um, uh, at the birth of Jesus. Oh, they brought gifts. Who brought the gifts? The, the Wiseman? The Weissmans? Ugh, I hate the Weissmans. They give terrible gifts. That's all I could think. That's all. I, that's the comment I wrote down. It's not like the Wisemans showed up at the birth of Jesus, just like Flyman is not showing up in this episode, Joe. <laughs> Joe Who was the script supervisor? Not one person was like, Joe, it's, it's actually not Flyman. It's, it's Flyman. Like, Flyman. Yeah. Like a man who is also a fly. Yes. Do, do you see what you see? What, you see what he did there? OK, but uh, yeah. I mean, like, like you don't say, oh, here comes Robin and Batman. Batman. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see the new Ma Man of Steel, Superman. <laughs> and of wait. course, don't forget Spider-Man. <laughs> don't forget the Spider-Man and the Aquaman. <laughs> oh, it's we like, got Flyman. <laughs> we, we just had Steve Pernick on and now all of our, our idols here are actually Jewish. And oh. that's, I mean, not that that's a bad thing, but yeah, I love her. It gave me a tick every time she said it. Every time it came out of her mouth. Consistently, consistently <laughs> said it. Like now, that's a choice, Nancy. You made that choice. <laughs> okay. Well, since our first go round with the Flyman was, uh, yes, we did not have a guest. I did have a guest, Matthew, and it was you. Oh my goodness, that was me. It was. And so, so now that I'm the guest here, does that mean I get to give you the TV guide plot line for TV it? TV guide synopsis, not even going to set it up. Go. In this episode of Facts of Life, Blair gets lucky in Atlantic City. Oh, oh, gets lucky. I see what you did there. Mm -hmm. See very, what I did? Very nice. Yeah. And some other stuff happens, apparently. But for me, Blair walked away with this fucking episode. I, and this is why I still give it five stars, David. Oh, Lisa Welchel, uh, I mean, hits it out of the park. <laughs> She's so a fucking tour de force. funny. I it love is, her so much. Yep. Tour de force performance. Yes. Uh, this episode was written by Academy Award winner no. Paul Haggis. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and it was directed by uh, the Emmy Award ignored John Boab. And uh, okay, it's okay. Who was the assistant director? Who was who is in charge of saying to her, it's not Flyman? Would it be the script supervisor or the a writer? I would guess Paul Haggis might show up on the set and be like, honey, 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 it's not Flyman. Anyway, I will. We, uh, we've made our peace with it. It is what it is. She's going to call him Flyman. We just have to accept it. For all the shit that you give me obsessing over the girl's ages. This is one episode of one word that is a very important word in the episode, David. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am feeling so connected to you right now. Oh, David, do you want to take your shirt off or something? What? Mm, I'm good. Okay. All right. Thank you, though. All right. Um, so we're at the store. We begin the episode with the store and we have this mass exodus where they're like, they hire. Oh my God, David, get your, get out of my ass. <laughs> I wrote down my first line is mass exodus from the store. Shut where, up. Where's the fire? <laughs> oh my God. Cause there's like, it looks like 10 people. It's probably six, but it's a lot because we know over our heads is not really built and designed for customers. And but we all know how it is to work in retail when customers look at their watch and go, closing time, better leave. Just brrr, all of that, them just 
they have so much concern for the people working behind the counter. It's like people yeah. that show up at a restaurant five minutes before it closes. So I just did love the mass exodus of the store. It's like, oh, closing time, everybody out. Nobody yeah. buying anything. But if you were thinking about it, fuck off. It's out. <laughs> and the thing of, uh, yeah, people do shop here at some point, but that really is inconsequential to anything we do ever with any of the plots of these shows. It's just, just a way to show people going and populating the store and then depopulating. And again, why oh, I look at it and I'm like, Paul, why did you even set it in the store? This scene did not have to take place in the store. They could have been sitting there. Oh, it's a long weekend. You know what I mean? First of all, why is the store closing for the weekend? Well, get out of my ass, Matthew. <sighs> I mean, because I mean, that was my thing is this is not an insurance firm. Never. This is not a nine to five <laughs> fucking thing where it's like, well, Friday, five o'clock. Who's going to, you know, let's go down to the bar and burn off this hectic yeah. work week we've all been putting up with this long weekend we've got coming up. It's, it's like, no, you might be closed on Monday, maybe if you were smart, because school would not be in session, but all the students would be around. I imagine a long weekend is a very lucrative time to be open because that's when the students might actually have a, a moment of breathing room to, to go out and just do some shopping and some and anyway, it's we are in the same page. It's not who's minding the store. It's who's who's running this who said all of them it's like yep long weekend what are we gonna do with it and joe's like i gotta do something or go someplace you know joe's yeah. getting stir crazy the stallion girl gotta run free you know i'm gonna i'm gonna really let loose this weekend and have a good time oh my god again again can i ask what the fuck is up with tootie's hair I'm glad they put her in a hat for the second half of this episode, but <laughs> that that hair was a nightmare. Um, so um, who is sitting in the counter? One of them is uh, fucking Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie is sitting in the counter as they're quickly bouncing around this idea of, wow, our retail store is going to be closed for three days on a weekend because no one shops then. And Tootie's uh, practically snuggling her. She's so close to her she's standing so close it's like i if i i love you david but if i were standing somewhere and i turned around and you were as close to me as tootie was to natalie i'd be like what the fuck <laughs> exactly <laughs> back sit up sit over there what the there's five other couches in the room jesus david <laughs> <laughs> so tootie sees in the newspaper that Flyman is playing in atlantic city now here's the interesting thing we are later in the episode going to learn that he is not operating under the moniker of Flyman or Flyman. Yet in this advertisement, somehow Tootie sees, I guess, his picture. I mean, that mullet is pretty defining. I see. And I would have looked at that newspaper article and said, Joe, are you performing in Atlantic City? They've got your picture here. I mean, I know you're a gifted nightclub pianist. So. <laughs> I mean, it all makes sense, you know, for going by Bible store show Bible. But I mean, um, so true. So freaking true. But God. yeah, I did wonder that, too. Uh, uh, like she it would have said Stewie Lyman, right? Exactly. Because that's what we learn. We assume that's his real name. Of all the fucking names to give Stewie, Stewart, Stewie Lyman. God bless. bless. Yeah. But it's Tootie who says, why don't we all go down and surprise him and we can take the last bus back? And Blair Setting says, it up, putting the ball on the tee, letting everybody know I'm about to walk away with this episode, y'all. <laughs> what does she say exactly? Do you, I, <laughs> she goes, a bus trip to Atlantic City. Do you think maybe we could stop in Trenton? <laughs> <laughs> Or do you think maybe I could just drive us in the car that I fucking own? <sighs> Blair Warner has a car. Why would you drive from Peekskill to Atlantic City? It's like it is, I think, three and a half hours. It is not that big. There, there are parts of Florida that it takes longer to get to from here than it does to go from Peekskill, New York, 
to Atlantic City, New Jersey. It is fucking crazy. Depending on what time I leave, David, it takes me three and a half hours to get to your house on the other side of Orlando. (laughs) So for some reason, Natalie decides, okay, again, I don't understand this approach, but Natalie was given the reason to believe that she should be in charge of everyone's money if they're going to Atlantic City, because you're not two adult women. You can't, you can't I say two because Tootie's not an adult woman. No, he's not. I, I just like if, if I were Blair, I'd be like, uh, take several seats, Natalie. I got we're good here. And Blair and Joe, she's got her wallet on a chain. So there's nobody going to steal that from her. <laughs> Come on. She's got it in her back pocket with a chain attached to her belt loop. And her keys, oh, her ring of keys. Anyone? Musical theater, fun home, anyone? No? Mm -hmm. Young, budding, lesbian song? Okay, moving on. Um, So uh, the the good thing we have in this episode, okay, the bad thing, no Clooney. The good thing we have is we have Mackenzie Aston. So he could conveniently be there to be like, who is this flyman? Who are you talking about? What is all this? And they're like, finally, it's just, he's a rock and roll singer. Joe met him in Fort Lauderdale last summer. True. Thank you. At least somebody opened up the show Bible. And uh, that's pretty much it. And I'm, I'm very glad they didn't bring Andy with them. I certainly wouldn't have been too surprised if they somehow figured out a way to also have Andy in tow. Sneak Andy in there. In all the ridiculousness that's about to follow, but it's okay. It's fine. So we've already kind of sort of set up that uh, Blair's plot line is going to be coming, but we basically have an A, B, C, D story for each of the girls in this. Yeah. Where Joe, it's the reunion with Flyman. It's Natalie dealing with handling the money and later policing Tootie. Tootie, at this point, they say, well, we can't go to Atlantic City and go to a casino where he's performing because Tootie, you're too young. You're only 16. They just de-aged you three episodes ago. And Tootie's like, I'm an actress. I can act like I'm 21. Uh, so that tells Matthew what we're going to get for the rest of this episode is two of my favorite things. Tootie and sitcom lying for oh, the rest yes. of the fucking episode. Yeah, 2D acting, 2D acting, putting mm-hmm. on a performance. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Natalie Tootie, and then and Blair's, it's, it's going to start once we get there. Uh, but yeah, we have, we have four fucking storylines here that intertwine. I guess I gotta give Mr. Haggis his props for at least doing that. But it's a whole lot of crazy WTF stuff. It's very farcical. I felt uh, for a couple minutes, I was like, this is a little noises off in that. Like yeah. the way Blair comes running in and then comes running out. And then Natalie comes running in and goes running. I was thoroughly yeah. entertained. I, I was like, did Faye Doe write this? Wow. <laughs> Anyhow, so that pretty much sets up the bits and pieces they do not fuck around and spend much time in the store getting the premise uh established and then just boom we are in the casino and we got to get shit going with these plots now i i love how joe says it's been a year he probably forgotten all about me (laughs) and i thought to myself how could that be joe how could he forget about you he sees you every day in the mirror It was borderline creepy, some of the scenes between the two of them. Oh, yeah, because last time we joked that, oh, they have the same hairstyle. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. This episode, that episode, there were similarities. This episode, they have the same, literally the same hairdo. And it was when they were standing next to each other. There was a part of me that felt like it looked like one of those like, awkward family photos where people will post them from the eighties where the whole family has the same haircut. Like oh. the whole family has the same mullet. You know yeah. what I mean? Totally. <laughs> and I was like, they are brother and sister. This is creepier than watching Donnie and Marie for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> 
so they're at the casino. I forget the name of the casino, and I forgot to look up if it was an actual casino. Did you? Um... Oh, I didn't even know they. Oh, it's called the Mediterranean Casino or something like that. Is that it? That doesn't yeah. sound familiar, but okay. Echo. <laughs> David doesn't believe me. And I think when I am proven right this time, dear listeners, that I should get like an underwear shot or something. I'm just, I just feel like there should be some sort of payment. What, what did you say it's called? The Mediterranean Resort. The Mediterranean mm, Casino. No. It's the Mediterranean Hotel and Casino, Matthew. So um, I'm I was afraid... so far off. I can't I can't even see yeah, where you would so see. I would take that leap. We did just look it up. And that is a fictional place. Therefore, the Baltic room in which Flyman is performing, uh, that is not uh, real either. So uh, the girls show up and no sooner do we see Blair and Joe. In comes Tootie dressed with a fur and a hat with a giant feather stick. She looks like uh, Josephine Baker going to a funeral or something. Yeah, I was thinking the time period. I was like, oh, she's Diane Carroll and Dynasty. Oh, Dynasty. Ding, ding, ding. You are so right. That is that is a good thing to do. That's but like a, a bus and truck tour version of Dynasty. <laughs> a non yeah, the yeah, the non-equity dynasty tour. But you are so right. And and of course, Tootie is doing that whole thing and trying to pretend to bark orders to Natalie because Natalie is her assistant. And 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 I, I'm I'm thinking the whole time Matthew is in fucking hell right now. I didn't really get to hell. I knocked on the door when she came in, <laughs> but I didn't really get to hell until she sat down and started gambling and the whole, we don't call them chips over there. Shut up. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Though one bona fide laugh I really did like is where she goes over to the table and he says, uh, would you like some chips? And she says, no, thank you. I'm not hungry. Yes. That, <laughs> that was, that was, that was a great line. And also the end, the button on this bit where she goes, and now what? I take it. She goes, yeah. you put your chip down here. Okay, now what? And now I take it. Yeah. I thought that was a funny bit. Like True. So but. true. It, it would have been nice if they had been a teeny bit more realistic and said to her, do you want to hit or do you want to call? And have her go, "I'd hit me. Boom. And now I take it. Because it is weird. It's like that he just lays down cards and pick, takes the chip from, from this <laughs> table she privately has all to herself. Oh, yeah like you do at a blackjack table. Natalie is walking around with the funniest, most ridiculous limp. And, and it's because we learned that she is keeping everybody's money in her shoes. Yeah. And possibly her socks, right? (laughs) (laughs) It is a very funny physical bit for uh, Mindy Cohn to be playing. Um, any so, person who has worked retail or any kind of job where they've had to take money has had to accept money from someone's shoe or their yeah. boob. And yeah, they, 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 uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's pretty gross. Yep. Um, so uh, at this point, they come and go. Joe is expressing to Blair that she is worried there will be no spark. Joe is being a little vulnerable with her girlfriend now. Yeah. And what does their girlfriend say to her? You are hot. You are sexy. You have a set of titties that anybody would love. You go out there and you get him. And then you come crawling back to me when he breaks your little heart. That's mm-hmm. what I, I'm paraphrasing, but that's pretty much what yeah, she said, about, I think. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Uh, so then back at the blackjack table, the casino manager, Mr. Julius, uh, shows up and he looks at Tootie and he's like, really, really? Come on. So he asked to see her ID. Tootie gives it to him and he says, okay, born in 1930-something. So you're 47 years old. And he, she says, yeah, I guess, well, you look good for your age, Mrs. Longmin Chang. And what is our hilarious uh, button to that joke, Matthew? What does Tootie say? Oh, it's all the MSG. Oh, what a, what a. Thumbtack for the time period. (laughs) Dear listeners that are far too young, back in the 80s, 
there was a big thing about you could get Chinese food without MSG or they would put it in anyway. And it was this whole like quote unquote scandal. It's like using trans fat, I guess, wasn't it? I mean, well, it's one of those things where it I think it got a bad rep. Like it's one of those like, oh, there's a thing that there's an additive that they put in their food and additives are bad. And it's it's MSG, monosodium glutamate. It's it is a thing. It's, you know, it basically enhances the flavor. And it's a common thing that Asians put in their food. And and it's all over our prepackaged, terrible supermarket foods. It's everywhere in the foods that we eat as Americans with our diet. Uh, And yet it became the MSG and Asian food was the thing that got a bad rap. And, mm. and you still see it. You still see it at, at Asian restaurants. You'll see no MSG, just yeah. a, a sign in the window, whatever, because that's, that's a leftover from that where people seem to think it's, uh, you know. It's healthier. That, that bucket of sesame chicken is healthier now <laughs> because it doesn't have MSG on it. Oh, bless. Yes. So then Blair and Joe go into the lounge and no sooner had Joe just been saying, he's probably not going to remember me. Uh, in comes Flyman, and as he turns and sees Joe, he goes, "Oh no, not you!" Oh, if I had a nickel, Joe. <laughs> oh God, I felt that with every little fiber of my little being. <laughs> when somebody turns to you and goes, "Oh fuck, not you!" Oh. <laughs> Broke my heart a little bit, Joji. Uh. <laughs> Well, Ooh. Joe lies and says that it's a chance encounter that she happens to be staying at the hotel with the uh, and looking at the sign by the front door, the nuclear waste symposium convention. And then we get some sitcom lying. He's like, I thought you were in a gift shop. And she's like, uh, blah, blah. but then he does ask her to go for coffee. And she basically like just bolts, leaving Lisa Welch to be like, oh, it's OK. You two kids go on. I'll be fine. <laughs> beautifully delivered and Blair just sort of la 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 looks around and she takes out a quarter goes over to a slot machine David she does not take out a quarter it's weirdly in the slot machine oh you're right or it's like like sitting on top of it like she finds a quarter yeah she finds a quarter in 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 one of the slot machines and I mean I've been to Dino's once or twice, David. If you think any of those motherfuckers are leaving a nickel behind when they collect mm. their winnings, you got another thing coming. So I just no. did, I didn't know why they didn't just have her reach in her purse and pull out a, a, a nickel. You know what I mean? Like she had that fucking purse with her. It was the prop. It was there. Yeah. And the, it's like, well, Natalie has all their money. For fuck's sake, she can have some spare change in her purse and we're not going to be like, um, this has ruined my suspended disbelief. I mean, really, come on. So she takes this quarter or nickel or whatever the fuck it is, puts it into a slot machine and it wins and pays off. And this avalanche of coins comes falling out of it. I love that you just said that. Well, about her suspended disbelief when I've just talked about how ridiculous it is that she found a nickel in a fucking casino (laughs) thing. Whatever. Okay. Exactly. It's like, I I, feel attacked. No, no. What I mean is that if she had had, I'm agreeing with you. If she'd had the, the thing in her purse, nobody really would have thought twice about it. But I'm with you now that you remind me that I was like, that is weird. She just like went, oh, look, oh, look, money sitting out in the open anywhere in the world. When the yeah. fuck does that happen? Let alone Ooh. in a casino. Not in a casino, it doesn't. <laughs> so then we go to Joe and Flyman's date. And uh, while this is going on, Blair keeps running in and interrupting. This is where we start getting really farcical, where she's like, you know, uh, when does the house hit at 16? And she's like, uh, what do I play a king or a queen? And she's asking about all different types. Okay, is is black or red? My favorite is when she grabs him and goes, I need to roll 10 the hard way. What is the hard way? Oh, I loved her so much in this episode. She was magnificent. And it's all it does beautifully in a short amount of time implies that with those winnings, Blair has started down a path. (laughs) And And she's so bored with winning. Like, she's so bored with it. That's later on. But uh, we will learn. We will learn. Uh, So 
whatever Joe and Flyman are talking about, we don't really care because because Blair is being so hilarious. Um, but Joe was like, well, I thought, you know, come and see you perform your show, you know. And he says, oh, Joe, I've already performed my last show. I just finished it. This is my final night here. And he's like, I'm going off on a, a, a world tour and um, got a meeting with a record company exec. And she's like, oh, maybe we could get together for breakfast after we fuck. Yeah. And he's like, no, I get the meetings at seven in the morning, you know, because meetings happen at seven in the morning on a long holiday weekend. Yeah. That that happens, right? That, that is when record executives are most available, I have found. <laughs> so, um. Basically, it's like, uh, oh, well, I guess we're not quite getting what we either of us were hoping for. And he is kind of like, uh, oh, sorry, he, he's not really trying. So the, the whole thing of Joe's concerns that either he wouldn't remember her or he would no longer be interested in her. We think that those uh, concerns are justified when they say a pleasant and cordial goodbye. Um, and then as soon as he's gone from the room, there's something he left on the table. Like, what did he leave there that Joe had to give him? Joe had to say, oh, he left this here. Let me go back after him. And when she goes after him, she sees him talking to one of the weirdly costumed waitresses with like this Vegas showgirl bra and big feathered headdress thing. And he's talking to her and he's like, so I'll see you at seven. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, he's maybe with this woman. And then he says, oh, and that dark haired girl, you know, the one that looks just like me. See if we can't get rid of her. Joe overhears him use the use the wording. See if we can't get rid of her. Yeah. <sighs> the last time I heard somebody utter those words in Atlantic City. <clears throat> let's just say. <laughs> Did you ever Never. get back? We never, we never saw him again. But you <laughs> commented on the waitress's costumes. David, you've been to Vegas, haven't you? I, I have, but yet it just... Uh, I that, always understood Atlantic City to be kind of like Vegas light. Like, it might, it might have been a little ridiculous, but like that, I feel like in 1984, that was probably what her uniform would have been in a, yeah. ca in a casino. I guess you're like, right. Even now, you go over to Seminole Casino... And the cocktail girls are all in bras and very short skirts. Oh, like, and it's like, oh, and they just walk around going, bad bridge, bad bridge, bad bridge. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, get away from me. <laughs> okay. I've, I've never been, I should go there sometime. I oh, haven't been to Vegas bother. in a while. It's I gotta, I gotta get out of the house more. So with that, Joe is kind of heartbroken and, and that's where we go to commercial. That's where we, we, we get the cliffhanger of, oh, my God. It's not just that he's been kind of evasive. He's saying, let's get rid of her. I think he wants to kill her, Matthew. Yeah, she's going she's gonna to be swimming with the fishes. <laughs> Put out a hit on her. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back from commercial, we're back at the blackjack table. Blair is sitting there with a mountain of chips <laughs> and uh joe is dejected and wants to go home because of this whole flyman debacle but blair is literally miserable because she cannot lose everything she touch everything she touches turns to gold everything she plays she wins and she feels bad she's feeling like She's basically saying, I'm the 1%. I am already rich and privileged and gorgeous. And I keep winning things. It's not fair because you, Joe, you're plain and uncultured and can't even <laughs> rekindle a romance with a dude from a year ago. I almost went back and typed out that monologue word for word because it was so fucking good paul haggis for writing that monologue for her it was that was really really good but just the fact that she's like gets a drink and tips her a hundred dollars and she goes oh, she'll probably bring me 200 and change <laughs> yes so, uh her delivery was so fucking good lisa yeah. welchel mm. she goes you don't hit on 20 unless it's an ace and she's like 
Yeah. <laughs> and so that's it. She gets okay. 21. Okay. Well, since you love that monologue so much, I, I was paraphrasing. Let's give it. Let's let us read Mr. Haggis's words aloud as though it were a Robert Frost poem. Mm. She says, uh, see, I cannot lose. And it just makes me feel worse. I mean, here I am. Rich, beautiful. I can have any man I want. And what happens? Fate just keeps handing me more. And then there's you. You're poor, so-so looking. You come hundreds of miles to see a man and he dumps you for a girl in a clam suit. <laughs> it was just so brilliant. You're poor, so-so looking. The, just the list. It was, I, God, I love her so much in this episode. Yep, agreed, totally agreed. You're so, poor, so-so looking. <laughs> So, so looking. At least she didn't call her ugly to her face like she has in the past, but yeah. So finally, it's time to see the show. They're in the showroom. I forget by what, whatever. Well, I guess they're in the showroom because as far as Joe understands, Flyman isn't performing there anymore. And as Flyman understands, he sent his girlfriend to kill Joe and clearly she failed. Yeah. So as they're in the showroom, oh, go ahead. And then doesn't notice that Joe is actually sitting literally three feet in front of him. I mean, I mean if it's not in the frame, Matthew, it does not exist. But you had that whole room. Have her standing in the back. Well, she did eventually climb under the table. Like when the when the Yeah, he's ends. not gonna notice that three feet in front of him. The spotlight is in your face, Matthew. You know, it's sometimes uh, harder to see the audience than you realize. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to give him a pass. Of all the things in this episode that are like, what? You are always giving Michael Damien a pass. Get out of his ass. <laughs> and we didn't even talk about this boy that, uh, that Tootie has uh, connected with. Uh-huh. We have this boy named Colin. Uh, who has shown up and he's dressed like a sailor. He's got like the navy blue double-breasted jacket. He has got this magnificently comic fake mustache. He's dressed dressed as Carol Channing in the 90s. (laughs) Without the mustache. And I just, I wrote down seriously, fake mustaches, like seriously. But I think that was by design. And I think it was comically right because we see him and he keeps fussing with it. He keeps like pretending like he's doing a little tick, like, you know, you know, moving his hand up to his mouth. But I think he is hilarious. This actor who plays Colin, his name is, uh, by the way, Aaron Seville. Uh, And he's got 44 credits and a 44 year career and some pretty high profile shows. You can look him up. I believe he's still working. But he perfectly plays, I think, that fine line of I'm lying, but there is some sense of mystery of what is going on here. Clearly, he's underage, but the girls can't see it. But he's playing it just on this side of suspicious, which is perfect because Natalie is suspicious of him. And Natalie's big thing is, I don't trust this guy. I think he's after Tootie trying to think, maybe going to try to steal her money or something. So Natalie's following them around. And of course, limping because of all the fucking money in her shoes. But okay, this is where I took issue with Uh that. What is the issue? First of all, David, I would have written this to where Natalie was enjoying watching Tootie make an ass of herself. Rather than this concern, because she's like, he's after her money. She has no money. Mm -hmm. You have all the money, Natalie. So uh, when you say what, like, she's going to like wire him money out of her huge bank account. Like when he was like, she's after he's after her money. A, she lost her money five minutes into this episode. And any money that exists, apparently, is in your shoes. You're right. You're totally right. So Tootie really has nothing to lose except her dignity. And I would have enjoyed written Natalie to enjoy that, that ride. I would have enjoyed written her to be like, oh, I can't wait to watch this blow up in her face. You guys like they're going to find out that Kim Fung Toy over here is not 48 years old. Yeah, no, you're right. And the the times when she's saying, you know, the the stage asides to Blair and Joe about, I don't trust this guy. I got to keep an eye on him. That totally could have been, okay, if this guy is 16, I will eat my hat. 
I'm going to see what's going on. Tootie is clueless. This is hilarious. Better than any show they could possibly put in the lounge. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. We fixed that. Okay, good. Um, So then in comes the, the, the act begins Stewie Lyman introduced Mm. as it's not the fly man or flyman. It's Stewie Lyman. And that's where finally the pronunciation makes sense. And he's wearing a sequined leopard print jacket. And he very quickly goes into a cheesy lounge lizard version of tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. But he can't even play this. Like I saw what he was doing. It was in the script, but he can't even play a lounge lizard, dude. It's like, Michael Damien, you're just dead behind the eyes as an (laughs) actor. Like throwing in, throwing in the haze and the stuff. We get what you were trying to do. We get that the script was written there for you to do that, but you can't even do that. Like, oh, and I know you love him, but I'm, just... I'm not that. I don't know where you're getting that. I'm so in love, love with him. I thought you he was great. Flyman. I love Flyman. Uh, I, I think he was perfectly cast for the way that Flyman was in the Fort Lauderdale episodes, as far as he is a rocker guy and he could play Spacey and all that. Yeah, with this, with asking him to do some real acting, and I can't remember if he's already on the soaps at this point. Um, but yeah, his acting, it's like, yep, that's a, that's a soap actor. <laughs> um, so and you know and some soap actors are magnificent i you know can't make a blanket statement so please don't write to me god the thousands of letters i'm going to get now um but yeah he's doing this and then we come back i mean the reaction of the girls where he's doing the cheesy Uh. song and then uh he's singing she's having my baby and, and and it's a bass guitar drums and a keyboard that's clearly tuned set up to sound like an organ so it has that really super nick the lounge lizard vibe and he ends it with some form of p.s i love you and leaves so joe is hiding under the table at this point blair comes running in now in a panic and she's like joe i need to talk to you and joe reaches out and pulls blair under the table with her yep yep what has happened to blair matthew oh she's she's, uh hit a string of bad luck oh the tide has turned now blair is saying joe i've lost three thousand dollars her winning streak has ended and she goes as far as to say, I've lost all my cash, maxed out my credit cards. It's about $7,400. 74. So it's more than double. Uh, $3,000 in 1986 is $7,400 uh, in today's money. Honestly, uh, Blair Warner, $7,400 today, that feels like a drop in the bucket. How is that? Yeah. And she's maxed out her credit cards. Like that's I I think they might have. I mean, granted, it would have been, you know, a a Shakespearean tragedy if she said, Joe, I've lost four hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Right. Right. (laughs) It would have been hilarious. I'm sorry, but it would have been a bigger problem with a little less issue with a little less solubility. They're creating anything that she could have walked back in and said, I just lost my daddy's jet. Like, you know what I mean? Like she could have said anything and like, give me those bus tickets, motherfucker. I got one more (laughs) thing. (laughs) I don't know. I just, I like, I thought they could have given her a little bit more than Blair Warner maxed out her credit cards. Mm, That doesn't seem likely. Yeah. And then Joe even says, so call your father. That's what you do. Anytime you need money, just call up daddy. And she says, I tried that already. He said to me, you're an adult. Start acting like one. Now he tells me. (laughs) Beautiful. And uh, that actually, that line comes later with the the next complication of this storyline. 
So, but before we get there, Colin and Tootie go for a walk in the boardwalk. This is where Natalie is following. But Natalie's thing is because of the limping, she couldn't keep up with them. So Joe was like, put the money in the purse. You're carrying the purse and you have it with you at all times. And Natalie's like, but that's the first place they're going to think to look. Ah, reverse psychology. They're going to assume it's there and figure I wouldn't have put it there. Ha ha. So with Tootie and Colin going off, with Natalie in tow, Natalie does say, all right, Joe, here is the purse with all of our money in it. I'm leaving it here on the table. Don't let it out of your sight. So <laughs> off they go, at which point Flyman reappears and sees that Joe was there and she saw his show, knows that he was lying to her before. And he says, I was hoping you wouldn't see it. I didn't want you to see that I became a third rate lounge singer. And while this serious conversation is going on, Blair comes in, holds up a menu, like as a barrier yeah. between them and the purse, takes the money out of the comedic, just beautifully comedic physical work from Lisa Welchel. She takes all of the money out of the purse. They have no idea because they're totally into their own thing. And then later on, next scene, she has lost all of it. Yeah. All of it. Um, but so let's talk about Flyman in that, well, I'm a third rate lounge singer and I didn't want you to see me. I didn't yeah, want I thought to, like, him calling himself a third rate lounge singer. I feel like he's being kind. No, <laughs> stop. Oh, that's not what you meant. Okay. What no. did you want to say about it? What I I'm meant sorry. is how many times have we been a part of a production or a show where someone has said, oh my God, I'm totally going to come and see you in it. And we have said, it's okay. You don't have to. Oh, or, I say that all the time to yeah. people. <laughs> or you can say, eh, it's not my best work. I don't think I'm, I mean, we've said that we've said, I'm not that good in it. I've said I'm mixed. I'm miscast in this show. I'm doing my best and the check is going to clear. That's all that matters. But the fact that I've never had a friend say, I want to see you in that show. And I'm like, Oh my God, I have to make up a lie to make sure they think I'm not in the show. And so they don't, Actors, performers, I don't know if it's different with musicians, but we are constantly knocking ourselves down and um, what's devaluing our own work, even sometimes when it doesn't deserve it. But it's like you couldn't have said to Joe, granted, we wouldn't have had a sitcom like complication, but he couldn't have said to Joe, oh, I don't do the same type of music here that you saw me do in Fort Lauderdale. And I'm kind of embarrassed about it. I almost don't think I want you to see it. All he would have had to do was just predicate it with that. And then with her, she could have said, oh, you're, you're not a rocker, dude. Well, go fuck yourself. I'm going back to peak skill. That's what I came here for. But I also take it when I do it, David, I'm always like, girl, I know your time is valuable. Don't, don't take a trip to downtown to fucking Orlando to watch me call bingo for Christ's sake. People are like, oh, I haven't been in years. It's the same show. So... <laughs> Girl, it's the hoop to do drag. <laughs> Fucking seven oh eight. We are singing all that jazz. I guarantee. Yeah. Mm. Well, the thing is, for those who are not performers and those list my tens of listeners, those who are not in the arts or whatever, uh, let's make it very clear: this is not what typically a performer would do. Most performers would just fess up and say, um, "Okay." The show you you just paid money to see me in. Uh, I know you bought your tickets last week. Well, I didn't know this last week, but now I can tell you for sure. This show is terrible <laughs> and <laughs> I'm doing what I can. I think I'm okay in it, but I'm really sorry. So bye. Got, got to get backstage now. It's almost call time. <laughs> that happens more, more often oh. than I think we wish. So anyway. Blair asks for a small line of credit from the casino owner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another, After... I've taken out of my defender of disbelief. <laughs> yeah, you know, casinos are always willing to give you free cash. Yeah, well, I mean, they do give, I think they do give lines of credit, but mm -mm. I, I don't know. Is that a TV trope? Yeah, no, no, okay. no. They will figure out how to get money from your bank to give to you. 
They oh. will do that. Oh, they'll do a wire transfer. Got it. Got yeah. it. Got it. But they're not like over there. Like, mm, yeah, sure. Here's fifty thousand dollars. Go, go have fun. Mm-hmm. Well, the casino manager, Mr. Julius, is played by character actor Tom Dreesen, D-R-E-E-S-E-N. He only has 19 credits in a 45-year career, but uh, he is a stand-up comic, actually, and he has a crap ton of appearances on all of the major talk shows, like, you know, we're talking David Letterman, Jay Leno, uh, Conan O'Brien, uh, Craig Ferguson, all that stuff, and multiple, multiple return visits. And then I think even more recently, you know, your Jimmy Fallon's, Jimmy Kimmel's, he's, he's got a lot of stand-up appearances. I looked it up on YouTube. There is video of him on YouTube and it's like, oh, he's pretty funny, actually. His, um, I, th- I thought he was, he was great in this yeah. episode. I thought his delivery, his joke, I mean, his timing was great. I thought he was real good. Very, I agree. Totally agree. Um, so Blair asked for this line of credit from him and he's like, uh, what kind of collateral would you have? And she's like, uh, and then she could have uh, said four bus tickets to peak skill yeah. and haven't been like, mm, no, we're good. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> but they make That's that a joke. She's got, right. But they make that a joke later that, you know, well, at least we didn't, you know, you lost our money. At least you didn't lose our bus tickets to peak skill. And then someone comes to say, yeah, where's the lady who was looking to cash in her bus tickets. And it's like <gasps> Blair. <laughs> yep. And by the way, she does say earlier when she loses everything, she says, I am so sorry. And I am never going to gamble again. Right after I break even. <laughs> I mean, perfect. And so, so true to life. Oh my God. So true to life. But yes. Yeah. The casino owner. Yeah. No, he, he does a great performance here, especially when Flyman tries to give Blair a recommendation and intercede on her behalf as, as an employee of the casino to vouch for her. And this dude dresses him the fuck down. Oh my God. Like, abusive basically saying you're a lounge singer do you know how hard it is to find one of those in this town oh that's right not at all and he basically hands blair a dollar and says it was like here's a quarter call someone who cares it was really bad so Flyman is really really upset by this not that the owner was particularly wrong in theory no cruel in practice but anyway um so he's really upset he goes in the other room joe tries to comfort him she's like hey you're more than a lounge singer and he says i sold out for security (sighs) haven't we all flyman (laughs) i feel i feel you flyman i feel you yep so then it's time for his next show and the guy introduces him and with that, uh, here comes Stewie Lyman and his intro to his song. This is, again, I'm going to speak the words of Mr. Haggis so you can hear them in all their splendor and their beauty. You know, uh, life is kind of like a windy road. You, uh, you know, you suddenly take a wrong turn and you end up in a ditch, hit your head. And next thing you, you kind of forget who you are. Well, you see, that happened to me. And uh, luckily, I had a friend that had a tow truck that came along and pulled me out of that ditch. And I'd like to dedicate this song to her. And it was written by the one and only legendary, the Flyman. And he takes off the sequin jacket and he conveniently has this funky chain belt rocker thing on that I guess he was wearing the whole time mm-hmm. underneath. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, somehow, this three-piece little band is suddenly producing sounds yeah. like Duran Duran has just shown up with the entire Radio Shack keyboard collection. Well, David, those 1986 Casios, they had several settings that all, <laughs> all different instruments that they could sound exactly alike. 
that in no way all sounded exactly the same. You could have 87 choices. I could play a flute. It's strangely going to sound like a pipe organ. But watch when I play pipe organ. It strangely sounds like an electronic flute. <laughs> so I don't know if I was as mad at that they went from gl- glow worm on the coat on the chord organ. Um, knowing, <laughs> knowing how, you know, I'm a musician, you see, so I understand how these things work, David. So, oh, OK, Thank obviously, you. obviously that 1986 Casio. <laughs> just he just poked a button, Dave, just, just poked boop. a button and suddenly they were fucking human league and suddenly you have an electric guitar. Exactly. But it's it's clearly pre-recorded. It is so 150 kabillion percent a pre-recorded rock track and he sings this i think the song is called eyes of a stranger it is it was on his second album david the self the self-titled michael damien album not to be confused with his first album which had um the song he sang in the she is from a different world world. Mm -hmm. yeah how and I, I want to get, get her into, into mine. Yeah. Uh, so Flyman transforms in front of everyone. He rips off his coat and, he, and Stewie Lyman is, is melted away like the Wicked Witch of the West. And then we've got Flyman. And somehow Joe ends up on the stage with them. Awkward. Just <laughs> so awkward. Uh, but before that, we have to quickly wrap up oh, all sorry. of these other stories. So Colin admits to Tootie that he isn't 21. He just wanted to be seen with an older woman. And yeah. Tootie says, really? Well, there's something I should tell you also. <laughs> I get it. I was young once, too. And off they dance. So he's bought that Tootie is 21 and they're, she's not going to tell him the truth. It's like, okay. Um, does Natalie technically have a, a button to her story? Doesn't the guy sit down with a, a white guy sit down with oh, a fake mustache oh on? Oh God, what was that? Again, that's why I wrote down really fake mustaches. Really? Well, yeah, this, this cute blonde guy with a mullet sits down and asks Natalie if she wants to dance, but they have him in a clearly fake jet black mustache. And so when the guy who is cute enough, but this un- illogical mustache is there, he says, do you want to dance? And Natalie says, I have no more money and my feet hurt. Like just a complete brush off, not even going to give him a chance. But it's like, so uh, the, the idea was he was another young guy. Shouldn't it have been a joke about, yeah, get back to junior high school or something. It should have been. It should have been an age joke, not just her giving him the brush off and leaving him to kind of react like with whoa. Yeah. That's that was very weird. And I don't think it landed the way they thought it did as far as they were trying to draw another fake mustache joke, but it did not work. Absolutely not. And then Blair is still down on herself for losing everybody's money. She did, we learned, try to cash in their bus tickets. And uh, Joe is nice and just says, look, it's fine. We'll get home. You'll pay us back. It's just, we'll work it out. And again, for Blair, three grand, that's like, yeah. she probably has that in cash under her pillow or something. Remember that episode where it's like, if there's damage to my father's car, I, I have to buy him another car. Remember mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Garrett said, Blair, you can't do that. And I wanted Mrs. Garrett to tag that with, can you? Yeah. Like, are, are you that fucking, could you, could you just write a check and buy a, you know, Mercedes or a Porsche or whatever? Because I suspect, well, well no, no, I don't suspect. We have been led to believe that Blair is that filthy, stinking, fucking rich. Hmm. But whatever. So Blair and Joe have made up and then, um, uh, yeah, at the end, the, the final bit of Blair's, do you want to tell the story of Blair's, the final moments of Lisa Welchel? No, what was that? I forgot. Well, she finds, no, no, Joe gives her, I think, a quarter. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. She gives her Joe, a quarter. Yeah, so in, is, in, yeah. In, in forgiving her, Joe gives Blair a quarter, and then... 
and she sets it down and says to a strange passersby, she says, here, I don't gamble anymore. And the bitch puts it in the, in the slot machine and hits a jackpot. Blair comes over and beats her up. <laughs> she starts choking her. The woman, clearly a stunt performer, starts flailing her head and her hair. Like, you know, it, it was the the woman doing all the physical work there. It was not Lisa Welch choking her, but she it, it was broad. It was like, fuck, man. That's it like, was exactly the button for Blair's storyline. I was. loved it. It was I like, here, it. take this money. And that's my fucking money. Yeah. No. Yeah. So it was, yeah, very, very broad, cartoonish, perfectly on brand with this crazy, wild episode. And uh yeah, here we are. At the My final thought is that that was Emmy worthy, at least nomination for Blair Warner in this episode. As a comedic performance, regardless of the writing, yes, agreed. I think she was great. I think the lines she was given, she single handedly made this a five star episode for me, David. <laughs> yeah, the, the thing we've talked about before is that everything was so out of whack. Nothing was particularly grounded or sensible. So therefore, I do have to say at the end of the episode, I have to say, I, I think I used this term before, I guess it was just a 1986 fever dream of, of craziness, of broad cartoonish silliness. And um, yeah, I... I didn't hate it. I just, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of little persnickety WTF moments. But when all is said and done, um, I think, yeah, the Blair performance is, is the thing that throws it over the top. And not even a mention of Mrs. Garrett. No. They didn't even say like, oh, well, we could close the shop. Mrs. Garrett's out of town for the weekend. Yeah, she's not going to wonder why three days of retail yeah. income hasn't hit the books yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is, oh, season seven. You're just a big old bucket of surprises. You are happy. <laughs> you are happier than a pig in poop, aren't you? Oh, I just love it. It's just so ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I could have, I could have uh, used some Clooney. Clooney would have been the only thing I could have thought that they somehow could have added into this performance. I don't know how. But what do you mean? You don't know how he could have fucking gotten there. And like he could have been the one striking out with all of those um, cocktail waitresses. True. So true. That could have been the story. Andy and him trying to like Andy sneaking around him trying to. I don't know. They could have gotten Andy up there like I made it in. I made it in. And George is like, and we're making you out. You know what I mean? And he's Andy's like crawling and scratching at the women serving cocktails and George Clooney's picking him up by the ear, like walking him out. Like, yeah. Know. But they already yeah. had Tootie doing that playing. Like, I don't know. Anyway, they, I they could have had them. They could have had the two of them in fake mustaches trying to pass off that they're like foreign twins, like, <laughs> like have them both say we are twins and we are looking for pretty young sex ladies. And Well, that's just ridiculous, David. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> It's got to be, it's Facts of Life season seven. There has to be some, some semblance of reality. How dare you suggest that they would be that ridiculous? I can't. Uh, You're going to okay. end on that note, David. Seriously. Okay. Well, well, all right. I've, I've invoked the wrath of the Matthew. So <laughs> with that, I think we need to say our smooches and goodbyes. And uh, I've enjoyed this. I, I got it all to myself again. This was a nice little. See the things he says to me, listeners. See? <laughs> got you all to myself. How am I supposed to take that? Ugh. Well, we have a guest coming back next week. So mm. all right. take so that you as you will. You have to share me again, David. <laughs> I like to have new guests because then you get. I get to see you get jealous. Do I? This has been fun. <laughs> yes. All right, my dear. Until next time. Mwah. Ooh, 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 ooh. And there you have it. Next week, we're going to be watching season seven, episode 20, The Lady Who Came to Dinner. You can watch the show ahead of time at dailymotion.com or on Pluto TV, 
I will post links in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. That is all for now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.